turn to Mark chapter 6 with me. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Babies like to eat. I, I discovered that when I had my own. Uh, we got very little sleep. About every two hours, we'd hear this little sound of crying start because the baby was hungry again. And uh, we'd made that wonderful discovery of rice cereal. And uh, the baby slept through the night for the first time. We got six uninterrupted hours of sleep, and we were ecstatic. But can I tell you, that same hunger that babies have for milk is the hunger that we need to have for God's Word. First uh, Peter says, uh, desire the spiritual milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Uh, we need God's Word because it helps us grow and it helps us thrive in our walk with God. Um, the scripture we're going to look at today is actually several different stories together that give one point that I want to bring out, which is the importance of hungering and thirsting after the Word of God. Uh, the Bible says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Uh, Jesus actually goes to his hometown. In his hometown, he uh, is teaching and, and preaching there. And they are offended by him. They say, well, who does he think he is? We know who he is. We know his family. They live right here with us. They work here in our community. And the Bible says they were offended by him. Now, what really offended them was not the fact that they knew him. What offended them was the fact that God confronted their sin when they heard the word of God. And so they used an excuse, and I'm sure you've heard people do that. People will use excuses all the time why they don't want to listen to Jesus, why they are offended at Jesus. But then... Uh, you move on and you see Jesus sending out his own disciples. He's gone around into the villages around his hometown. And he sends out his own disciples in their own personal ministry. And he gives them authority over unclean spirits. And he tells them to preach and to heal and so forth. And uh, they do so with the great blessing of God. But he tells them something that's very interesting. He says, if you go somewhere and they refuse to listen to you, Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And so apparently, though they were widely received, there were some places they would go where they would not receive the word of God. And then you, you move to the story of Herod. And John the Baptist has confronted Herod about marrying Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Uh, apparently Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, had divorced Philip, and had married Herod. And John said, what you're doing is sinful in the eyes of God, and it is a wicked thing. And they didn't like that very much, especially Herodias. Uh, Herod was afraid of John. He, he liked to listen to John, but he was afraid of John. But Herodias hated him with a, with a passion. She couldn't stand him, and she wanted to kill him. And so uh, then you move on. And you see the disciples coming back from their ministry and, uh, and, and talking about what has happened to the ministry. 
And then you see Jesus saying, come, let's withdraw for a little while for some rest. And here's where you learn where the heart of God is and the heart he wants us to have toward his word. The crowds hear about it. And they run on foot. See, Jesus is going across the lake. They run on foot to meet Jesus where he's going to come ashore. This eagerness that they have to hear the word of God ends up causing them to receive a great blessing from the Lord. And not only does he fill their spiritual hunger, but he also breaks bread and fish and satisfies their physical hunger. And it's a picture of of the blessing that they're receiving because of their hunger for God's Word. Uh, So the title of my message is Examining Your Heart. We need to examine our hearts so that uh, God can help us receive the full blessing of His Word and grow in the way that we need to grow. Uh, Look with me at verse 1 of Mark 6. It says, He left there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things, they said? What is the wisdom that has been given to him, and how are these miracles performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown among his relatives and in his household. He was not able to do a miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. He was going around the villages teaching. He summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs. And so then, if you will, um, go ahead and skip over to verse 30. I'm not going to read the whole account of Herod. But look at verse 30. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted and it's already late. Send them away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. They said to him, Should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? He asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish and looked up to heaven. He blessed and broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate. And was satisfied. They picked up the twelve baskets full of pieces and of bread and fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were five thousand men. Everyone ate and was satisfied. Satisfaction of the soul is what Jesus will bring you when you hunger for his word. 
So examining your heart, what kind of heart do you have? First of all, do you have an offended heart? An offended heart. Jesus, as he preached to those in his hometown, they were offended by him. Verse 3 says, a lot of people are offended by Christians. They're offended by the message of the truth. Now, we as God's people, we don't want to be offensive, okay? You want to be loving. We need to speak the truth in love. We need to be kind. Uh, We need to be gentle with people. Uh, But there is an offense to the cross. The message of the cross is that we're sinners and we can't save ourselves. We're helpless to save ourselves. But Jesus died. He lived the life we couldn't live, the perfect life we couldn't live. He died for our sin on the cross. He rose again. And only through Jesus Christ can we have a relationship with God and home in heaven. That's the gospel. And it's offensive to people. Many people in the world are offended by the gospel. Now, the gospel confronts our sin. It's uncomfortable having your sin confronted, isn't it? It's uncomfortable. Sometimes I read the Word of God and I'm uncomfortable because I realize I've sinned against God. Uh, But discomfort can be a good thing if it causes you to find the cure that God desires you to have. I tell you what, I wouldn't take anything from my relationship with Christ. Um, Many many around the world uh, spurn the name of Christ, curse the name of Christ, resist the name of Christ. But I can't help but love the name of Christ because Jesus laid down his life for me. Jesus saved my soul and he came into my life and I've never been the same. But people are offended. Yeah, Jesus' hometown people, they were offended. And they used the fact that they knew Jesus as an excuse. People have all kinds of excuses. Um, people, uh, there used to be an old gospel song called Excuses, Excuses. You hear them every day. The devil, he'll supply them. If from church, they'll stay away. Uh, And that's true. Uh, People will stay away from church. People will stay away from the gospel. People will stay away from the things of God by using excuses. And oftentimes, they'll say, well, you don't know. uh, I don't go to the the church because uh, those people down there, they're hypocrites. Great excuse. I've heard many times. But somehow that doesn't keep them from going to the ball game. There's plenty of hypocrites at the ball game too. Doesn't keep them from going to the grocery store. There's a lot of hypocrites at the grocery store too. But it's an excuse, right? It's an excuse that people use to stay away from the things of God because they're convicted in their hearts and they'll use that offense as an excuse. Um, Paul raged against the church before he was a Christian. Saul of Tarsus. And the Bible says he went from place to place persecuting Christians. He had a great hatred uh, for the cause of Christ. He resisted the message about Jesus Christ. He was offended by it. He took it personally. It was an affront to his Judaism, so he thought, until he met Jesus and everything changed. If you have an offended heart, can I tell you, don't let your offense Especially don't let your excuse send you to hell. God has provided a way for you to know a relationship with God and he'll wipe away your sins. He'll make you his child and give you a home in heaven. 
if you'll repent of your sin and put your trust in him. Beware of an offended heart. The Bible says examine yourselves to see if you be of the faith. Examine yourself today to see if you have an offended heart. Secondly, an unwilling heart. Do you have an unwilling heart? If any place, verse 11, if any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you. Now, we've all had an unwilling heart at one time or another because the Bible says all have sinned. Uh, I, I was joking. Somebody said, how'd you, how'd you do Monday night? I said, well, just about everywhere we went, they didn't want to talk to us. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. We've been given a, a message to share. We're just messengers. It's God's responsibility to save people. But I want to tell you something. Be careful if you have an unwilling heart. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks, and that is addressed to a church, but it is also true that the Holy Spirit of God knocks upon the hearts of men. But he will not knock forever. If you have an unwilling heart, you're in danger of crossing the deadline that God has. You say, well, what deadline is he given? I don't know for you. The Bible says that God is slow to anger and rich in mercy and abounding in love and kindness and, and so forth. And, you know, that very fact sometimes lulls us into a sense of security. And we think, well, I can do it any time. I can take my time. I don't have to worry about responding to the conviction of God. But can I tell you something? That's a dangerous place to be. Hebrews says this. He says that if, if we continue to resist the message of the gospel, and if we eventually get hard enough to where we turn away from it, we are trampling over the blood of Christ, and the Holy Spirit will never again deal with us. So you need to be careful about persisting day in, day out. I can do it next week. I can do it next year. I'll put it off again. I'll put it off again. There may come a day where God will stop knocking, and here's the clincher. Once God stops knocking, you can't come to Christ. Because the Bible says that God has to help us in the process. Beware of an unwilling heart. Another gospel says it will be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day than for that town. Mark, Mark doesn't include that detail. One of the other gospels did. Why is that? Because they had the most precious message. The message that God loved them so much. That he sent his only begotten son to live the perfect life they couldn't live and to die the death they deserved. Can you imagine sending your son to die for somebody and then having somebody spit on his blood? That'd make me mad. When we have an unwilling heart and we persist in our unwillingness toward God, we grow hard to the things of God and ultimately we're in danger of trampling blood of Christ. Trust Christ while you have time. Paul said today is the day of salvation. Christian, do you have an unwilling heart? I've been talking to lost people, but do you have an unwilling heart? 
Sometimes we may come to Christ. We may surrender to Christ. We may choose to follow Christ. And somewhere along the way we say, you know what? This area, this pet sin, this attitude, I'm going to hold on to it. I'm not going to let go of it. And God, you can't have it. An unwilling heart is a very dangerous thing because though you are a child of God and that will not change because eternal life is just that, it's eternal. God will discipline you if you have an unwilling heart. Repent of that and put your trust afresh and anew in Jesus. Don't need to be saved again. That's already taken care of. But you do need to get your heart right with God. So examining your heart, do you have an offended heart? Do you have an unwilling heart? Thirdly, do you have a fearful heart? Verse 20. Herod feared John. He was afraid of him. He was probably also, the reason he feared John was he feared the God that John served. He knew that he was a sinful man. He knew that he was deserving of judgment. But his fear never led him to repentance. A lot of people are afraid of God. They they don't want to talk about the things of God because they have a fear of God in their hearts. Now, a fear of God can be a good thing if it leads you to repent. But don't let fear lull you into a sense of, of thinking that you're okay with God. Well, I fear God. No, if fear doesn't lead you to repentance, it doesn't do you any good. It's just fear. By the way, God wants to adopt you as a son or daughter. He doesn't want you to, to live in a, a state of paralyzing fear of him. He sent Jesus so that we could enter into his presence with boldness. So uh, the fear of God for a Christian is just recognizing he loves me and he'll discipline me if I need it. Um, but for, for a lost person, you do need to fear. But don't let fear be where it stops. Let fear lead you to repentance. You should fear the wrath of God, the justice of God, because the Bible says that God's justice is, is different than our justice. His standard's way up here. Our standard's down here. We shrug things off, and it, you know we don't even think about a lot of sins because so, it happens all the time. We're used to it. Uh, we're, we're familiar with it. It doesn't bother us, perhaps, as it would had we not been familiar with it, but God has a perfect holiness. And in his perfect holiness and his perfect justice, though he loves us, he must punish sin. And because he must punish sin, it will happen one of two ways. It will either happen to you personally, which is not what God wants, or it will happen to Christ on your behalf, or it will have happened. (laughs) You put your trust in Christ, it has happened. Uh. God has perfect justice, and that justice will be carried out. A lot of people laugh at the idea of a hell. They say, you know, we don't believe in that. We're civilized. We don't believe in hell. Well, there's a lot of things you can say you don't believe in. I can say I don't believe in tax time. I don't believe in the IRS. But if I I don't give my money to them, I I think they're going to come after me. We can say we don't believe in something, but that doesn't mean it's less, any less so. Uh, all you have to do is look at the scripture, and a lot of people don't believe that hell's consistent with God's character. But God is a God of wrath and justice. Yes, he loves us, and we, we glory in that. And praise God for Jesus. That 
as if you're a child of God, you don't have to worry about God's wrath because it's been carried out on Christ on your behalf. But, but if you're lost, you do have to worry about it. The Bible says, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. And the wrath of God remains on him. You should be afraid. But let that fear move you to repentance. Paul spoke of um, different kinds of grief. And he talked about a worldly grief that leads to death. But a godly grief that leads to repentance. And that's what we need. We need repentance. Why? Because Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. What is repentance? It is making a choice to stop going my own way and the way of my sin and to choose to turn and follow Jesus and obey him. It's a choice I make of faith. And when I make that choice and I put my trust in Jesus Christ to save me from sin, he'll do so based upon his promise. And once that takes place, I no longer have to worry about the justice of God or the wrath of God. Because I'm his child. Now listen, you, as a child of God, he'll discipline you, but you never have to worry about the wrath of God if you're his. So if you've got a fearful heart, you say, I resemble that remark, I've got a fearful heart and I don't know Christ, you need to get that settled today. And you can do so before you leave this place. And make a decision to turn from your sin your own way and receive Jesus. And I'd be happy to lead you in a prayer of surrender and trust in Jesus here in a few moments. So do you have an offended heart? Do you have an unwilling heart? Do you have a fearful heart? Do you have a hateful heart? Verse 24, Herodias, Herod's wife, says this. uh, Her daughter goes in and dances before Herod, and he promises whatever she wants up to half the kingdom. And uh, she, she goes out and she says, Mom, what should I get? Verse 24. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? John the Baptist's head, she said. She didn't hesitate. She was so consumed with hatred for John the Baptist, she didn't have to scratch her head. She didn't have to form a committee. She knew exactly what she wanted. Give me his head. You may have a heart of hatred the things of God. I know we're, we're coming to the church of God. A lot of people with a heart of hatred toward the things of God are not going to come to a church, and that's okay. But perhaps you're here and you do have a heart of hatred toward the things of God. It's a dangerous place to be. As far as we know, Herodias never repented. She killed John the Baptist, and then she went on her way hating the things of God and entered into eternity as far as we know without Christ. Very sobering. People may hate us as Christians from time to time. We've talked about this, the persecution in Nigeria. I mentioned that last week. But it's not just in Nigeria, it's around the world. There are Christians who who are being put in prison, who are being killed, who are being sold into slavery, all kinds of horrific things simply because they named the name of Christ. What's to explain this hatred for Christians? What's to to explain the hatred for a little boy in our country who's in kindergarten, who prays over his lunch and is suspended from school? 
What's to, what's to explain these things? There, there is an enemy of our souls that hates us. But there's also those who are lost sometimes in their hatred of the things of God. They, they get to a point in their hardness of heart where they just can't stand anything to do with Christ. Again, Paul was an example of that, and God changed his heart. He met Jesus. Aren't you glad God changes hearts? <laughs> I'm glad that uh, I, had a, I probably had a doubtful heart. I don't think that's one of my points today, but, but I had a doubtful heart, and, and I praise God that God changed my heart when he touched me and began to work in my life and uh, helped me come to Christ. Listen, wherever you are... <laughs> The great thing is, we talk about the blood of Christ not losing its power. I want to tell you, the blood of Christ is strong enough to deliver you from where you are if you'll call upon Jesus. Set that hatred aside if, if you have a hateful heart and put your trust in Jesus. But then finally, I want you to see the hungry heart. What kind of heart do you have? Do you have an offended heart, an unwilling heart, a fearful heart, a hateful heart? Or a hungry heart. Disciples come back. Jesus says, let's come, aw- come away for some rest. We're wore out. Look at verse 32. So they went away in a boat by themselves to a remote place. They're trying to get away from everything and everybody. You ever been in one of those moods before? Well, I'm just tired. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to answer the phone. I don't want to see a text. I, I just want to get away and be by myself and have some peace and quiet. You ever been there? This is what they're doing. Verse 33, but many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns. Ran. I didn't say walked. I didn't say get in a car, ride a train. They ran. It's amazing. In many places in the world today, people will walk all day to hear a gospel message. In America, we can't get people to spend one hour on Sunday morning. There's something wrong in the hearts of people. Uh, We used to have protracted meetings. I told you about the lady who told me about that. Uh, years ago before I was a twinkle in my daddy's eye. Uh, those went on for two weeks, three times a day. They had a hunger for God. By the time I was a kid, it was a week-long revival in the evenings. By the time of my early adulthood, it was a four-day, starting on Sunday, going through Wednesday. And now, for most churches, it's one day or not at all. We don't have a hunger for God. They ran to hear Jesus. Now, we might have some people fall out if we tried that. But, uh, but they did. I mean, can you imagine the eagerness, the hunger in their hearts to run to the things of God? Now, you may not have it in you. You might have a coronary if you, if you tried to literally run uh, to, to have your quiet time. Okay? But you can have the attitude in your heart that they had. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. They had a hunger. Look at, look at what it says about Jesus' response to them. I love this. 
they're wore out, they're tired, they're wanting to get away to be by themselves. But verse 34, when they went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them. He was moved in his heart. Can I tell you, Jesus is moved in his heart for you. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. When you come to Jesus with a hungry heart, he'll feed you. He'll minister to your soul. Then they have the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, right? Verse 42 says, everyone ate and was satisfied. He satisfied that hunger in their soul. I think the lack of a hunger within the hearts of human beings for God is one of the greatest sins we could ever commit. What did Jesus say the two two most important commandments were? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I don't think my wife would think I loved her very much if I met with her once a month. I don't think she'd, she'd think I loved her very much if I would never give her any of my money. I don't think she'd feel like I loved her very much if I never had an interest in hearing what she had to say. And yet we do that to God. Do you have a hungry heart? Listen, there have been times in my life where I haven't had a hungry heart. Okay, I'll, I'll confess it to you. And I've had to come to God and I've said, Lord, my heart is not where it needs to be. I don't hunger and thirst after the things of God. But Lord, would you forgive me for that and would you change me within my heart and restore that hunger for the things of God in me? You know what I found? He'll do that if you'll come to him and you'll ask him to do that for you as a child of God. If you're here today and you don't know him, He can place that hunger in your heart uh, through a relationship with him. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. One of the primary things that changes when you genuinely come to Christ is you begin to have an interest in the things of God and a hunger for the things of God. You have a spiritual appetite. Remember I, I mentioned babies being hungry? If a baby's not hungry, there's something seriously wrong. If you have no hunger for the things of God, if you call yourself a Christian, but you've got no hunger for the things of God, I'm not talking about a season where you've gotten away from God and your hunger has slipped. But I'm saying you never have had a hunger for the things of God. You never have had an interest in the things of God. Maybe you come to church as a ritual. You come to church as a tradition. But you just really have no hunger for God. You need to get saved. You don't know Christ. One of the things that God does when he changes us is he gives us an interest in the things of God. So, uh, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, he'll give you that hunger if you'll come and surrender your heart in repentance to him and receive the gift of eternal life. I'll be here at the front. I'm just going to ask you to come here to the front and uh, and uh, I'll, I'll share with you a prayer. Uh, that I'd like to pray with you, and if it expresses the desire of your heart, we'll pray together. I'll help you through that prayer so you can 
begin a relationship with Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. Uh, if you know Christ but you don't have a hungry heart, this altar is open. If you'd like prayer, I'd be happy to pray with you. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, we sometimes don't have the heart that you desire us to have. Forgive us for that, Lord. Help our hearts to be willing. Help us heart, our hearts to be eager. Help us run to the things of God.